Hello, and welcome back to the GSAP podcast. I'm Michelle Young, GSAP alum 2012, Master of Science in Urban Planning and founder of Untapped New York. Untapped New York is a web magazine and tour company about New York City's secrets and hidden places, and I created it in 2009 while I was a student at GSAP. I'm also an adjunct professor at GSAP, leading the Urban Studies Studio in the New York Paris program. This spring, Untapped New York collaborated with Columbia GSAP to create a mini-series of podcast episodes designed to welcome incoming students to the GSAP family. This is the second podcast specifically produced for the school, and we'll be looking at where students at GSAP like to live while they're students. I'll be joined by Justin Rivers, Chief Experience Officer at Untapped New York, as well as other guests to talk about the neighborhoods they love. It's well known that architecture and design students spend their lives in studio. It's the place where ideas are born in the middle of the morning and where lifelong friendships are forged. There's a high chance you might fall asleep there. And when I was a student, there was a student-run Tumblr page called GSAP Sleep, and it just had photos of students sleeping in studio. But in all seriousness, please don't make it your actual home. It's important to get out in New York City and balance out your studio life with the amazing things this city has to offer. What's unique about New York City is the diversity of neighborhoods that exists in such a dense urban fabric. And around Columbia, you have a lot of great choices. Since I was a student at GSAP from 2009 to 12, Upper Manhattan has had a real renaissance. People are rediscovering the great culture, the food, and historical significance of this part of Manhattan, which means if you choose to live uptown, you'll certainly get the New York lifestyle while being in close proximity to campus. For today, we'll start with Morningside Heights, the OG neighborhood for Columbia students, and we'll also touch upon Manhattanville, Columbia's latest campus expansion. If you like being able to quickly jet between home and school, being in walking distance from campus is great. Along Broadway, Morningside Heights has become a culinary destination with a wide range of options. There are the mainstays like the French restaurant Le Monde and newer trendy spots like the Dig Inn and Community Food and Juice. Fans of Seinfeld will remember Tom's Restaurant, the diner hangout Jerry, Elaine, George, and Kramer hung out at, which is located at 112th and Broadway. Across the way is the Heights Bar and Grill, a popular student bar and the location of Six on Six, GSAP's Friday happy hours. And I just have to mention, Coronet Pizza is home to the largest slice of pizza in New York City. The slices are literally larger than your head, and the pizza joint is conveniently open until 3 a.m. Behind GSAP on Amsterdam Avenue, there are a lot of new food options that have popped up over the last few years, like Friedman's, Elysian Fields, and my all-time favorite, Max Cafe, a coffee shop and cafe with a quirky, shabby-chic interior. And close to St. John the Divine is the Hungarian Pastry Shop, a longtime haunt of the neighborhood and where the writer Ta-Nehisi Coates does his writing. Along 125th Street, Columbia's Manhattanville campus has some architectural highlights of its own. It was designed by the architects you know, like Renzo Pano, Diller Scafidio and Renfro, and firms like SOM and FX Fowl. In the new Lenfest Center for Arts, you'll find an art gallery that looks like those in the Whitney Museum, which was also designed by Renzo Piano. Morningside Heights and Manhattanville are both really close to the Hudson River, and there's no better way to get to know New York than by being on the water. You get great views while running or walking outdoors in Riverside Park and Harlem Pierce Park. There's also a beautiful New York City park called Sakura Park, containing cherry trees gifted from Japan. 
Culturally, Morningside Heights is also home to the Cathedral of St. John the Divine, Riverside Church, and Grant's Tomb, all great architectural feats. You can hear us talk more about these places in the first podcast we did in this series. And if you're a digger of remnants like we are, you'll appreciate how Columbia's campus, designed by the famed architectural firm McKim Mead and White, was built on top of what was once a mental asylum. Buell Hall, where some of GSAP's classes take place, dates to before Columbia's campus moved here. And a popular student activity is to locate some of the underground tunnels that used to exist in the asylum. So Justin, why don't you tell us a little about Harlem next, one of the more famous neighborhoods in Manhattan, and about Hamilton Heights, named after Alexander Hamilton. And for those of you feeling like you'd like to travel north and northeast from Morningside Heights, I'll be dipping our toes today in Harlem and Hamilton Heights. So let's talk about Harlem. One of New York's most iconic neighborhoods, whose name hails, like so many things in this city, from its 17th century Dutch roots. Harlem started out as a small farming village in northern Manhattan and grew into a major American cultural force all its own by the early 20th century. The Harlem Renaissance was a seismic shift in American visual, musical, and literary arts driven by the African-American community that had settled there after the Great Migration from the rural South. Harlem is still a great driver of musical and artistic culture, as we'll discuss in a bit. Harlem today, although still feeling the effects of the gentrification that became commonplace in New York City during the mid-2000s, still holds a lot of that original community spirit that has driven the neighborhood since the mid-20th century. 125th Street is the nerve center of Greater Harlem, with all major subway lines and the Metro North providing access to the thoroughfare. The street is lined with supermarkets, commercial retail centers, fast food joints, and sprinkled throughout are some old mom and pop shops that have held on through the years. By the density of the people on the streets, it's easy to see that this is where all of Harlem mixes. If you're going to eat in Harlem, you have two iconic spots that are must-visits, Sylvia's and Red Rooster. Sylvia's on 126th and Lexington Avenue is the grand dame of soul food restaurants in the neighborhood, founded in 1962 by Sylvia Woods, who asked her mom to mortgage the family farm to buy a little luncheonette that would become a Harlem staple. It was a good investment, too, because Sylvia's is now world famous. Bernie Sanders, Bruno Mars, Barack Obama, and Magic Johnson have all been spotted eating there. It's Sylvia's that also is one of the first to bring chicken and waffles to the New York City menu, now a trendy brunch staple all over. Red Rooster, opened in 2011 by Ethiopian chef Marcus Samuelson, is named after the legendary Harlem Renaissance nightclub on Strivers Row, where Nat King Cole and James Baldwin performed. Samuelson, in his own words, wanted to create a restaurant which embraced today's Harlem with a spirit of inclusiveness and community by hiring family of staff within the community, inspiring better eating through neighborhood cooking classes and buying from local purveyors. Red Rooster features local artists both on the walls and in the restaurant with live music throughout the week. And so many things on its menu have become legendary, but its Caesar salad and shrimp and dirty rice are still talked about. When in Harlem, there are two spots you have to visit if you want to know what makes Harlem tick. First, the Apollo Theater, and second, Marcus Garvey Park. The Apollo is one of New York City's oldest and largest operating theaters, Originally built as a burlesque theater with a whites-only policy, it turned into one of the greatest jazz stages in the world. Since its restoration in 2005, the Apollo is a huge architectural and cultural treasure in the neighborhood. 
anybody who's anybody in jazz, swing, blues, and soul have played the Apollo. It was the site of one of Michael Jackson's last performances, and when James Brown died, he was laid out in state there for thousands of mourners to pay their respects. Columbia actually partnered with the Apollo in 2009 to 2010 with the 75th anniversary oral tradition project. Its iconic amateur night, which started in the 1930s, is still held weekly. Marcus Garvey Park forms the border between Harlem and East Harlem. It's a 20-acre multi-purpose park complete with flat lawns, fields, and a good old cropping of Manhattan schist like Morningside Park. The park is host to a multitude of community programs, such as a jazz and film festival, along with my favorite, a weekly drum circle by the Harlem Drummers every Saturday, weather permitting. The park is also host to a Harlem hidden gem not to miss, the Harlem Fire Watchtower. The tower was one of 13 that dotted the island of Manhattan searching for fires before reliable water sources and an organized fire department made city fires more manageable. Sitting 70 feet above sea level on an elevation called the Acropolis, the tower was recently restored and rededicated with its 5,000 pound bell hanging in the center. To talk a little bit about why she loves Harlem is Megan McMahon. Her and her husband are educators who started out in Brooklyn, but eight years ago decided that they were going to raise their two daughters in Harlem. My name is Megan McMahon. I've lived in New York City for 16 years, and for the past eight of those years, I've lived in Harlem. What I love about Harlem is that it's a true city neighborhood that keeps a small town feel. So when you're here, you know that you're in Manhattan. There is arts and culture and amazing food and this energy that just runs through the streets. But it's a community, too. We're on a first-name basis with our dry cleaner and with the family that owns the bodega across the street. And we actually know our neighbors because they've been here just as long as we have. And these days I'm appreciating that neighborhood feel all the more. We're all doing the 7 p.m. cheer for healthcare and essential workers, and it's been this amazing moment each night that reminds me why I love it here. Our neighbors, they come to their windows in the moments before seven o'clock and before we start cheering we all wave to each other which is really nice and it reminds me that we're not in isolation alone we're isolating together as a community and I love that I love Harlem and now for something completely different we'll travel northwest to Hamilton Heights named after the historical it boy Alexander Hamilton Hamilton Heights is a quiet and charming neighborhood, basically 20 blocks long from 135th to 155th streets. This neighborhood plays home to many working professionals, artists, and educators who fell in love with the spacious and well-preserved townhouses that were built in the neighborhood when elevated train lines and subways first started making the north end of Old Bloomingdale accessible to Lower Manhattan. The neighborhood gets its name because of Alexander Hamilton's house, known as Hamilton Grange, located in the northwest corner of St. Nicholas Park. Although he only lived in it for two years before his death, it stayed in the Hamilton family for over 30 years. It was the only home he owned, and it was rumored he built it to rival Thomas Jefferson's Monticello estate in Virginia. The Grange is a national memorial and open to the public, and if you're a Hamilton fan because of the musical, it's a must-see. Hamilton Heights is one of the few neighborhoods I visit without an express destination because two of its main attractions involve the neighborhood itself. First, 
Just taking a walk around the side streets of the neighborhood, you see an impressive collection of well-preserved townhouses in a variety of architectural styles. But lesser known is a neighborhood-wide mural project driven by the Audubon Society and a local gallery owner called the Audubon Mural Project. It's a public art project with the goal of painting the birds depicted by John James Audubon in his early 19th century folio, The Birds of America. You can find it on blank walls and rolled down corrugated metal shop shutters throughout Hamilton Heights and Washington Heights. That's because Audubon once lived in the neighborhood on 159th Street. The inspiration behind the work was the 2013 Audubon Bird and Climate Change Report, which showed that many of the birds Audubon was sketching are on the verge of extinction because of climate change. One of my favorites is the Cerulean Warbler at 609 West 159th Street, done by local artist Tom Sanford. It's a beautifully detailed mural of a Cerulean Warbler perched on the shoulder of Audubon himself. Audubon was the first person to be buried in Trinity Church Cemetery, located at the northernmost end of the neighborhood. Another great outdoor spot is also one of the most impressive pieces of engineering in New York City, Riverbank State Park. Built in 1993, Riverbank is one of the only three state parks in the city and is one of the city's largest green roofs. Why? It sprawls its park over 28 acres on top of the North River Wastewater Treatment Plant on the Hudson River, which is built on 2300 Kazons. It has five indoor facilities, which include a sports complex, an Olympic-sized swimming pool, fitness center, roller skate slash ice skating rink, and an 800-seat theater. Outside facilities include lap and wading pools, basketball and tennis courts, football and baseball fields, and there is a 150-seat restaurant called Sofritos located right in the park. There you can enjoy traditional Puerto Rican cuisine and have a great view of the Hudson. A little further east, in what is technically known as Sugar Hill, Sion Cafe is a great spot for a tasty combination of Ethiopian and Mediterranean cuisine. Much like Red Rooster, the idea of creator BJ Barhani was to create a neighborhood restaurant that reflected the culture of the neighborhood along with her own Ethiopian and Israeli roots. It's a great place to hear music, local poetry, and a perfect spot for Ethiopian honey wine and injera. Well, thanks, Michelle, for letting me join in again. It was fun exploring the neighborhoods of Upper Manhattan with you, and I can't wait till next time. So I'm back. It's Michelle again. Lastly, we'll introduce to you Washington Heights. If you were a fan of the Marvel show Luke Cage, you might recognize places in Washington Heights where the show did a lot of filming. And this summer, Washington Heights is going to get national attention again when the movie musical In the Heights by Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame hits the big screen. The film is a celebration of the Dominican and Latino community that has long lived in this neighborhood. I've asked Jeff Rubin, an urban planner in New York City who serves as a critic in my studio every year, to explain a little bit about why he loves living in Washington Heights. I'm Jeff Rubin. I live in Washington Heights. What I love about Upper Manhattan is that it's a very densely built up area, which helps to make it a vibrant place, full of interesting people, great architecture, and lots of stores, restaurants, cafes, and bars. And we're also lucky to have so many amazing parks, including major green spaces such as Inwood Hill Park and Fort Tryon Park. And inside these parks, we have unique cultural landmarks, including the Cloisters and the Little Red Lighthouse. We also have smaller parks and playgrounds spread throughout the neighborhood. This area is also very hilly, which provides us amazing views. We have the Hudson River and the George Washington Bridge on the west, and on the east, we have the Harlem River, with several bridges, including the High Bridge, which is the city's oldest. It's a pedestrian bridge that reopened to the public a few years ago.
Washington Heights is a great place to live because we have the best of both worlds, the urban and the natural, at our doorstep. In addition to all that, you'll find great food in this neighborhood. Dykeman Street, which runs between Washington Heights and Inwood to the north, has become a real restaurant row with an enticing mix of food and drink options, particularly by the Dykeman Street A subway station. Some local favorites include Mama Joanna, Park View, and Il Soleil. Culturally, one of the highlights in Washington Heights is United Palace, a cultural center inside one of the most stunning old movie theaters you'll ever see. It was originally built as one of the five Lowe's Wonder Theaters, intended to be the most ornate and elaborate showpieces of the movie production company. United Palace hosts movies and concerts, and Lauren Hill recently graced the stage for a concert celebrating the 90th anniversary of United Palace. Some other favorite spots of mine in Washington Heights include a row of gorgeous wooden houses at Sylvan Terrace, which was featured on Boardwalk Empire. It leads up to the beautiful Morris Jumel Mansion, where the infamous Aaron Burr lived. There's also Audubon Terrace, a Beaux-Arts complex, which is home to institutions like the American Academy of Arts and Letters, the Hispanic Society, and more. There's also the crypt below the Church of the Intercession, which hosts jazz concerts, a really unique experience. If you keep going further north, you'll hit Inwood, another great neighborhood at the very tip of Manhattan, with great waterfront parks and where Columbia University's boathouse and football field is. The Athletic Center is designed by architect Stephen Hall, a tenured professor of architecture at GSAP. These are just a few neighborhoods in New York City, close to Columbia University, that students like to live in. But in recent years, students have been venturing even further, too, to other parts of Manhattan, Brooklyn, and Queens. One of the built-in benefits of going to school at Columbia is living in New York City, and you can't go wrong wherever you choose to live. Hope I'll be seeing you at GSAP this fall. Discover more of New York City's hidden gems at untappednewyork.com and find more podcasts on the GSAP website, arc.columbia.edu. That's arch.columbia.edu. And follow GSAP on Instagram and Twitter.